0: Hi, good morning, welcome to another edition of the Coffee Break, Doug with you this Tuesday morning. I know I may have a few extra listeners this morning, and I may have some extra listeners down the road as people begin to share this, and um, whatever the Lord leads you to do, let me just say that. I teased yesterday about what I was going to talk about today, an issue from last week. On today's episode, we're going, we're going to delve into the legal development in Alabama from last week. You see, the state Supreme Court recently made a groundbreaking decision ruling that frozen embryos used in in vitro fertilization are legally considered children. Now, this has caused a lot of debate, a lot of conversations. Every news agency in the in America has jumped on this one from a case where three families sued a fertility clinic and a hospital in Mobile, Alabama, for the mishandling and subsequent destruction of frozen embryos. So let's kind of break this down a little bit and and talk about the potential implications. The Alabama Supreme Court reached a decision based on a long-standing precedent in the state's wrongful death law from 1872, which categorizes unborn children as children. This interpretation was further reinforced by a 2018 amendment to the Alabama Constitution, emphasizing the sanctity and the rights of an unborn human life. Now, there's plenty of implications for clinics and patients in Alabama uh, that could possibly come out of this. As a matter of fact, all this stuff is still evolving quite uh, significantly. Uh, Some providers, including the University of Alabama Birmingham Health System, and Alabama fertility have paused treatments citing concerns about potential legal repercussions and those patients have started to look outside the state to uh, continue their treatments so this pause in service raises questions about the future in the state and whether any actions involving the destruction of embryos could possibly lead to criminal charges Well, what about in the United States? Could this move on in? Could could these people be taken to the Supreme Court? Could this whole issue go to the Supreme Court? I would think not. That would seem highly unlikely. Because really, the issue is grounded in the Alabama Constitution. It's not really a state matter. The defendants would have to argue that their U.S. constitutional rights were violated, which has not been part of any case so far. However, it could find its way to the federal level. We're already seeing people to reach out to the administration, seeing if that they would chime in or um, make some type of uh, changes or help in this situation. The wrongful death lawsuits are still happening in the Alabama ongoing um, lower court rulings, which will decide the liability of the defendants for the loss of the embryos. Okay. So we see that as, as still going on. The ruling doesn't directly affect IVF practices in other states, uh, but it could influence legislation or other court decisions. So as a believer, because you are listening to the coffee break, as a believer, I'm going to give you this from the believer's perspective. And this kind of caught me by surprise as I was, you know, seeing the news begin to really roll with this topic. I'm, I'm sitting there thinking, okay, To what extent does this topic go? Where is this topic founded? What is the foundation of this topic? Well, the biblical or Christian worldview uh, to the issue of recognizing embryos as legal persons, such as in the Alabama Supreme Court ruling, unfortunately can vary within the Christian community due to different interpretations of Scripture uh, and maybe even theological principles. However, a general overview might include some of the following points. Number 1, the sanctity of life. A lot of Christians, and I would hopefully the majority of Christians, but I don't know that to be the case, believe in the sanctity of life because if we if if half of the Christians today would make a stand on the sanctity of life, I think we would see different opinions throughout our country, but in many cases Christians are quiet on this issue. Well, what is the sanctity of, li- sanctity of life? What's well, the idea? that all human life is sacred and created by God. Okay, it extends to the conviction that life begins at conception. And therefore, embryos should be afforded the same moral and legal considerations as other stages of human life. The Alabama ruling here could be seen as aligning with this view by legally recognizing embryos as persons. Do you believe, as a believer, do you have Stewardship and responsibility, I'm going to ask you that question. I would think that the answer should be yes. Um, There is importance of stewardship and responsibility, especially in the context of medical and technological advancements. How far will we allow the medical advancements to go? To what level do we want to make changes in humanity through technological advancements? So I think that we should always be aware of what's happening Uh, from a medical or scientific standpoint when it comes to testing, especially with human embryos uh, or human life, okay? So some Christians might argue that the ruling brings attention to the need for responsible stewardship. That's highly possible, especially in reproductive technologies. We are commanded, in God's Word, to be compassionate. We are commanded to care for the vulnerable, okay? So we need to have that compassion and care. Uh, We need to be astute. We need to be um, educated on legal and ethical complexities um, of this issue, okay? The rights of parents, the status of embryos in in the various legal context. Um, And we definitely need to approach this with prayer, okay? So if we go down the road to what biblical foundations that we have on this issue, let's jump into the Word for a little bit, okay? Uh, We have seen historically in uh, other cultures, in historical references to other cultures, and even in some historical references in God's Word, that um, the taking of life uh, before birth is not new, okay? Okay? Uh, we have seen things like um, abortion, euthanasia, was very, very widely approved historically, and so, um, so how do you find this information? Where do we seek this information? If you open up your, if you open up God's Word and you say, I want to go to the concordance and I want to look up the word abortion, well, guess what? You probably won't find that word. So you have to, um, you have to understand that it's there, but it's not there because of a certain term. Uh, scripture is not silent on the subject, and therefore we cannot do as we please as believers. okay? So if we have that understanding that Scripture is silent on this issue, then we have got some misunderstandings. Uh, I think the biblical foundation of a comprehensive prohibition on induced abortion are very deep in both the doctrines of creation and incarnation. So first let's take a look at Genesis 1:26 and 27. Uh all human beings are created, listen to that, created in God's image. Okay? This applies to all those who are members of the human species. Well, what is that sign if we bring science into this discussion because So many people out there are wanting to bring science into the discussion to be able to prove the point that life doesn't begin at contraception, which I believe that it does. They bring science in, but there's one thing that they cannot overlook that science tells us, that science shows us, and that is genetics. We have this DNA thing about us that makes us very different. Um, Our DNA makes us very different from, from any other species on this planet. As a matter of fact, We see God's fingerprint in that DNA, in genetics, okay? Um, If someone is a member of the human species, that person bears the divine image. Therefore, we have to say that life is sacred, okay? So we have a basis of biblical bioethics, and then we can start going down the road of other commands that, that God has given us in his word about the handling of life, and of course the next thing that's obvious that we see is in Exodus 2013, do not murder, and it's talking to all human beings, and I'm not talking about accidental life-taking, it's talking about intentional murder, okay, I take because I take the life because I want to take the life, well, if we believe that um, life begins at conception, then anything after that, willingly desiring to take that life, maybe because of my convenience or whatever, that is murder, okay? The species principle is of central importance when we start dealing with the human embryo issue, okay? There's been various reasons that people have wanted to do scientific experiments on human embryos. And I think we as a Christian culture have to stop and say, "Whoa, well, whoa, well, wait a minute, hold on, what are we doing? Okay, this is life. We can't do destructive research. And I know this is a little bit different topic than we started, but it's still the same thing. If we believe that the embryo is human life, then there are this affects a lot of things. This affects the destructive research that some science is taking with embryos today. This affects the protecting of embryos as we know it to do our best so that we are caregivers and caretakers of what God has, has, has given us. Okay, the second foundation lies in the doctrine of incarnation. All right, so this creation principle bears God's image. And in his incarnation of the, the Son of God, the second person of the Trinity took form and did so from the beginning. What Mary was told by the angel that she would conceive by a miracle the human life of the Son of God. Okay, okay. And we even see this, that um, after she visited Elizabeth, uh, we witnessed John the Baptist's first testimony to the kinsman of his Lord um, as a six-month fetus leaped in his mother's womb at the presence of the days-old embryonic Jesus. So in reality to that, we see this as occurring. But let's take a look at a few scriptures um, as we further explain this. Genesis 9-6, what does that say? Well, it says, whoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed, for God made man in His own image. Okay, so what this is saying is, is this really goes down the road that Noah's new beginning became a covenant, and it the covenant had obligations for all of mankind and a promise from God. Because of the floods' destructive um, destruction of life, people might begin to think that God's hold God holds life cheap. Uh, and assume that he's taking life in a very small manner, and that's not the case. This covenant that God gives Noah uh, shows that life is sacred and that man is not to destroy man who is made in the image of God, okay? So this covenant was really established to stabilize uh, nature. It helped guarantee the order of the world, okay? Another verse that I come to and and look at when I'm talking or thinking about the sanctity of human life comes from Exodus 21, verses 22 through 25. Let me read that for you. It says, When men strive together and hit a pregnant woman so that her child comes out, but there is no harm, the one who hit her shall surely be fined, as the woman's husband shall impose on him, and he shall pay as the judges determine. But if there is harm... Then you shall pay life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, burn for burn, wound for wound, stripe for stripe. If we, if we try to translate this into modern terms, if a pregnant woman delivered her child prematurely as a result of the blow, but both were otherwise uninjured, the guilty party was to pay compensated amounts determined by the woman's husband and the court. However, if there was injury to the expectant mother on her or her child, the assailant was to be penalized in proportion to the nature of the severity of the injury. While unintentional life taking was usually not a capital offense, if you look at verses 12 and 13, here it clearly is. Okay, here it clearly is. Also, the unborn fetus is viewed in this passage as just as much a human being as its mother. The abortion of a fetus was considered murder. A person's physical loss by injury was to be punished by a similar loss to the offender, the law of retaliation. Okay? So, hear that part. Now let's take a look at um, Leviticus 18.21. You shall not give any of your children to offer them to Molech, and so profane the name of your, of your God. I am the Lord. Okay? Molech was the national god of the Ammonites. Child sacrifice by burning is probably in view here, though the context supports a different interpretation that refers to the dedication of children as cult prostitutes. So the Bible is explicit about how the handling of children are, the value of children in this regard. Let's move over to Psalm 139. 139, verses 13 through 16. It says, For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret. Intricately woven in the depths of earth, your eyes saw my unformed substance, in your book were written every one of them. The days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. Wow. The thought that darkness cannot conceal anyone from the Lord brought to David's mind this um, meditation in these verses. God knew all about him when he created him in his mother's womb. Verse 13 begins with 4, indicating that this explains the preceding uh, parts. God, since God can create a person, he knows them intimately and is with him everywhere. Okay. Uh, Proverbs 23, 22, I'm sorry, Proverbs 23, 22 says, listen to your father who gave you life and do not despise your mother when she is old. Um, 24 and 25 also in those verses talk about um, one's mother and father heeding to the parental instruction and advice is again encouraged. Okay. So let's take a look at that. Make sure that, um, uh, that we see, um, to despise is to disobey Exodus 2015. Okay. Uh, let's take a look at, um, Jeremiah 1.5, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Well, you see, God's call of Jeremiah as a prophet contained a message designed to motivate him for his task. God revealed that his selection of Jeremiah as a prophet occurred before he had been formed in the womb. Okay, And the word new uh, comes from the Hebrew word yada, which means far more than intellectual knowledge. It's used for the intimate relationships experienced by husband and wife. Okay? It conveyed the sense of a close personal relationship. It conveyed the sense of protection. So before Jeremiah was conceived, God had singled him out to be his spokesperson to Israel. He had been set apart for this particular ministry. And one more verse I want to throw at you comes from Matthew 6, 26. It says, look at the birds of the air, neither they sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Well, if a person is occupied with the master of the universe, the God of the universe, how will he care for his ordinary needs in life such as food clothing and shelter god said he would take care of every bit of that jesus told them the pharisees in their pursuit of material things not to worry about these things for life is more important than physical things let me say that again life is more important than physical things and he cited a ton of illustrations to prove this point okay the birds of the air are fed by the heavenly father The lilies of the field, they grow in such a way as their splendor is great and greater than even Solomon. And Jesus was saying that God has built into creation the means by which all things are cared for. The birds are fed because they diligently work to maintain their lives. They don't store up a lot of food somewhere, but they continually work. And you and I as believers are far more valuable to God than birds. Okay, so think about that. But this is saying that all life is of the greatest importance. All life that God has created is of his image. All life we need to be responsible for. And from what we can see with a biblical or Christian worldview is that life begins at conception. Okay? because it's in genetics that we can see it from the very, very beginning. So when the world is in an uproar about what's going on in Alabama, maybe take a a moment or two to think, wow, what's my response? How do I deal with this issue? Because this is even a step um, further than what most people are talking about the overturn of of roe versus wade being you know when does pregnancy begin, or when does life begin in pregnancy this is before the pregnancy ever occurs within the womb and we have responsibility all of us have responsibility and that responsibility is not to ignore or to look away that responsibility is to be involved in these discussions and to share how much god loves each and every person And when life actually begins and where life originates from. All right? So I know this is a long version of a coffee break, but I think it is very valuable that we understand the situations that are going on in our society today and situations that are trying to get God out of the picture when in reality, We have life because of God and He needs to be in the, He needs to be in the center of the picture of everything. Thank you so much for joining me today. and I promise tomorrow it won't be as, as long, but uh, I hope that you have the belief in the foundation as a believer of the sanctity of life and life begins at conception. All right, hope you have a great day. Think on these things. We'll talk to you again soon. God bless. Bye-bye.